Hello everyone. This is a content warning for today's episode. This episode includes a conversation around suicide and suicide ideation, as well as what it means for those who are left behind after a suicide. Please use your discretion while listening to this episode, and if this is a subject matter that is uncomfortable for you, please consider checking out any of our other recordings, our ones that come after this. And please be well. Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Untying Knots. This is Perry Clark here with you. Uh, licensed marriage and family therapist. If you hear my voice sounds a little different today, as it is, we are recording this in June, and this is going to be airing in September. Um, I caught COVID, and so I've been dealing this last week before this interview with doing all of that. So if you suddenly hear me disappear for a while, that's probably because I'm having a coughing fit. Um, otherwise, I want to remind you that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes. This is not a substitute for licensed mental care, health care. I do recommend you seek out a therapist in your area to work on your unique issues. So today we have the other half of the, if you haven't heard the interview before this, with Tanana Reeve Du. I got her illustrious writing partner and partner in life, Stephen Barnes, here with us to be able to talk about uh, his work, especially the work that he's been working on, an interesting book that focuses a lot more on Buddhism and as well as the interesting connection we can have with black Buddhism and not to mention just being a creator writer and part of our, my creator series and how mental health also plays a part in all of that. So Stephen Barnes is a New York times bestselling author of over 30 novels, science fiction, horror, and suspense, the image, the endeavor and the cable ace award winning author, also writes for television, including The Twilight Zone, Stargate SG-1, Andromeda, and Emmy-winning uh, Emmy award-winning episode of The Outer Limits. He has also taught at UCLA, Seattle University, lectured at Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. with his wife, British fantasy award-winning author, Tanana Ridu. She gave me a little crap on the name. I'm trying to make sure I say it right here. Uh, he, he has created online courses in Afrofuturism, Black Horror, and uh, screenwriting. Stephen was born in Los Angeles, California, and expects for, no, except for a decade in the Northwest and three years in Atlanta, Georgia, he has lived in that area all his life. Steve and Tiana live, Tiana Reeve, uh, live in their... <laughs> Live Tiana with their, will uh, uh, live with their son Jason. Uh, you can also reach them at the AfrofuturismWebinar.com and the SunkenPlaceClassroom.com. So, Stephen, welcome to Untying Knots: Minds and Souls Untethered. Hey, hey, Perry, how you doing? Ah, uh, no, having my you could have my, been better. You could my, have been my, better. having my dad my dance with uh, COVID. Well, at least you're alive, and we had those inoculations. Uh, you know, the average. Uh, plague lasts between two and three years so we're mm -hmm. right on schedule to to be getting through this <clears throat> oh yeah all is well yep exactly so and that was so that being said and everything that it has revealed its own little apocalypse so to speak let's move on to more fun or that might be a uh, subject matter for some of your future books how did you get here okay by here you're gonna need to be a, just a okay. more more specific and I can say that there are three areas in my life that I focus on, so I will accept any questions about any of them. One would be my writing career, one mm -hmm. would be my family, and one mm -hmm. would be martial arts. Let's, uh, so, you know, th those are all three things that I care about a lot. Well, let's start with the writing career because that gets right. very much into the, the creative aspect, but I think the other two are also equally important, and I'm betting they Definitely have a their connection to the, there are, you the know, creative there, side. There are more art than science. Yeah, so let's start there. Um, I've always written, man. Uh, mm -hmm. I was, you know, before I could write, I told elaborate lies. And uh, I t got tired of being spanked for that. And I noticed that if I wrote them down as stories, p 
people liked me instead of punished me, so I was kind of on that path. Mm -hmm. There are any number of different things that I could go into there, but um, I dropped out of college and uh, started getting jobs, taking jobs in Hollywood while I was working on short stories and eventually started selling them. Uh, I wanted some help and most of what I've accomplished in my life, I've accomplished using a few simple principles. One of those is that if you want to learn how to do something, find somebody who's already good at it and do what they did. Uh, and so I was looking for a mentor and I was, I was blessed to find Larry Niven uh, and to be able to communicate with him in a way that, that made a relationship between the two of us uh, a real possibility and, and a friendship and a mentorship. And uh, I have nothing but joy for what that man and his partner, uh, Jerry Pornell, gave to me over the course of my life. So, you know, that's probably the, uh, the short version Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's an interesting, it's a beautiful one. It's also very interesting to talk about that idea is like growing up, basically telling lies. But once you wrote the story, wrote them down, it stopped, it stopped getting in trouble. Yeah. I remember, uh, in, in elementary school, you know, uh, you know, I, it was open house. A little girl came up to my mother and said, you know, Mrs. Barnes, is Stephen really a vampire? You know, she said, of course not. She looked at me and said, did you say that? I said, no, no, mom. I mean, how can I say I was a vampire? Vampires don't come out during the day. You know, but that was, you know, I just always had that kind of a strange mind. And uh, the first story I can remember ever writing was called The Yeti. I must have written mm -hmm. it about third grade. Uh, mm -hmm. about a, an abominable snowman in a Canadian lumber camp, you know, so... Starring Bill Conway, his character who appeared in many of my early stories. <laughs> well, but that also showed the aspect of where your creativity was, as well as how that creativity was, you know, you deal with life. As far as I'm concerned, all the creative, everybody, the yeah, people say, I'm not creative. They just don't understand. Uh, mm. Everybody, every human being goes quietly insane every single night. All conscious creativity is, is creating a a hole, mm -hmm. a ch channel between mm -hmm. the, the, the fulminate of the unconscious mind and our conscious mind and the skills that allow us to take that creativity and flow it into the world. So it's, it's not that there are some people that are creative and others aren't. It's that some people trust their creativity and others don't. Some people listen to their creativity and others don't. I, I could take anybody and make them creative, um, especially once you got them to give up the thought that their first drafts have to look good. Mm -hmm. People are yeah. just terrified that their first drafts are going to suck. Embrace the suck, says I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that perfectionism is definitely uh, something that comes up when I'm working with somebody uh, in therapy as well, is how much has that created an inner critic that slows them down, oh, yeah. let alone um, has become a voice that is also restraining them. One of these days, I'm going to have to have a T-shirt made of one of my favorite expressions. Perfectionism is procrastination masquerading as quality control. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Definitely beautiful. I don't know. That would be one that we could basically use as a um, um, uh, patron gift if you guys wanted to put your life writing podcast to it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe so. You know, we're still trying to figure out what to do with the Life Writing Podcast. We enjoy doing it. We're going to keep doing it. Um, but I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to make some some decisions about how to do it more consciously. Mm -hmm. you know, what is this that we're trying to accomplish here? What is the best way to do it? Uh, otherwise, we'll just take, keep having fun. Well, and that's one of the biggest goals. I know I've sort of discovered that and well, doing Donald this myself. Well, seems to think so. Meaning of life <laughs> is to seek joy. Well, you know, I think that's a beautiful segue into talking about this crafting of work that you've got, the Eightfold Path. Very much so. So what was the inspiration behind creating well, first, this? First, I've community? got to ask you the question. Did you like it? I enjoyed it. Good. There were definitely some points in there where it's like, okay, I know this is stories based off of Buddhists. I'm trying to see where that is what the thread is in there, even if I don't know all the Buddhist tales and so on. Well, and, but even just on the standpoint of just pure fiction entertainment factor of it, I very much enjoyed it. Good. I mean, it's not specifically for 
practicing Buddhist. It's more mm-hmm. people who are like I am. I'm a fellow traveler. I'm not a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Johnson is a Buddhist. You know, who mm-hmm. I, I wrote it. Um, I think it came from looking at different ways that people had organized collections of stories over the years. You know, the illustrated mm-hmm. man and vaults of horror and tales from the crypt and stuff like this. And I just, you know, and there are lots of different organizing factors for that. But they generally involve uh, a group of people who come to a way station of some kind where there's an old man or an old woman who tends to them while they're waiting for something. And mm-hmm. has them tell stories or tell stories to them. And then it, you know, at the end, you find out that there is a larger meaning to all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought to myself that... Buddhism's Eightfold Path, which was you know, the first thing that the Buddha did when he came from under the, the, the tree, the, the, the Bodhi tree, and received his enlightenment, uh, was he lectured on uh, the Four Noble Truths. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is suffering in the world. There's a cause of that suffering. Um, the, the, there is an answer for the suffering, and that answer is the Eightfold Path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Eightfold Path itself is instructions, instructions of behaviors, attitudes, well, more behaviors than attitudes, that will help one leave suffering behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in, embraced in categories like uh, right speech, right action, right occupation, etc., mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. meditation, and so forth and so on. Um, and so I thought, you know something, I think that it would be possible to organize a series of stories using that framework. Um, I want to be very careful about this. And I thought that uh, a a graphic novel would be the best form for that, Mm -hmm. better form for that than prose for a variety of reasons. Um, And I thought, Charles Johnson, you know, Chuck's a buddy. I wonder if I could get him interested in this. Mm-hmm. If I knew that there was someone who was kind of interested in publishing it, which was we, 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 uh, John uh, John Jennings, mm-hmm. uh, who who was enthusiastic about it and supported the project, and then I got Chuck on board, mm-hmm. and that gave me the confidence to feel that I wasn't going to go too far off the reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the game began. Very much so. And I have some of John Jennings' work sitting in my to-read section. So, um, but I noticed that our classic backwoods horror story to a very futuristic story in here. So was there a certain sets of tones that were, that inspired based off of the AP full fast that said, this is the story that would work for this one or this was, or what sort of inspired each of no, these different. I think that I trusted my unconscious mind about that. There mm-hmm. were a couple of stories where it was very straightforward and very clear. I think the last word is clearly right speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but the others, I would, I took a look at a couple of stories that, that Chuck and I had done together, and I kind of figured, you know, something he's, he, as a practicing Buddhist and, and a Buddhist scholar, in all likelihood, anything that is he finds of interest to write would probably express something close enough to one of these values to be useful. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that that was true. We we took a look at the story. Forty one eighty nine was one of those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best barbecue in Hatton County was one of those stories. And I think there was one other one. Um, the last word. Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt that all three of those stories could work. Then it was a matter of coming up with additional right. stories. Um, and so we did that and then mm-hmm. looked at, you know, would this story fit into this category? Would it suggest this category? Is it a twining of this? And we felt that all eight of the stories that exist in that book worked sufficiently that a person who begins to ask questions about it will be led to a discussion that is useful. Mm-hmm. Discussion ultimately being, you know, what is the nature of humanity? What is the nature of reality? How can we be happy in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the Dalai Lama said the meaning of life is to be happy. And then he added later on and to be of service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is a lovely sentiment. Um, so some of the stories teach what happens when you specifically do not follow the path, when you steal, kill, harm, lie, 
Uh, you do not protect the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and through, you know, through via negativa, teaching by the, the uh, opposite example, is it successful? That's not for me to say. I'm, I, I've been very pleased looking at the reviews from people. I think that most people saw what we were doing. A lot of them really appreciate what it is that we were doing. And there are a few people who didn't, you know, but mm-hmm. that's, that's honest. You know, the, we weren't going to do, we weren't going to clearly label the stories because life is too messy for that. Mm-hmm. You expect mm-hmm. life to give you clear instances of what you're supposed to do and be in order to be happy. You must think people are idiots because if it was easy, if it was clear, everybody would be happy. But there is so much misery in the world that I suggest that we would not have been doing a service to make it really simple and really clearly labeled. We're asking people to engage and ask the question. We believe that all eight of those paths are covered in there. If you think not, that's a discussion. I can have that discussion with you. That's a good discussion. And then we can talk about, you know, well, why is it important? And what is this? Mm-hmm. How do you apply this in your life? And such? those, to me, the discussions, the questions are more important than the answers. Well, one of those elements, even in all of those, that at least I could see from the stories is also the element of choice. Yes, absolutely. And uh, that I, for me was a very clear line. There's a choice in so many of these things. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm so glad you saw that. Um, I believe that we do have... You know, assuming that a person does not have organic brain dysfunction. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, literally their brain is hanging out of their head, you know, pharmaceutically, if not economically. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that we do have that choice. We have a choice whether or not we're happy. We have a choice whether or not we're healthy. Mm-hmm. We have choices. Anything that is affected by behavior, we have choices. The people who are too chaotic to take any responsibility for their behavior often institutionalized mm-hmm. others i hope will find professionals like you mm-hmm. you know who to, to you know you i always suggest that people bring mental health professionals into their personal circle their their health circle of providers um but i think that once you have that our responsibility is to ourselves and to the child inside us you know the child that we were once upon a time um, and if we are to be happy in the world, if we don't take responsibility, if we're waiting for the world to come to us and say, here's your happiness, mm-hmm. you're going to wait a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, that may not be fair, but I would rather be a human being in the worst part of the world than a rabbit in the woods. I mean, you know, I, yeah, life can be tough, but have you looked at the natural world? You know, we're no <laughs> crueler than the natural world. We're really not. Yeah, the natural is a it has it. It's a beautiful place. It's a dangerous place, yeah. and it will. And just because something is a prey does not mean nature didn't give it some sort of way of fighting back. I believe that it it, it wouldn't have a, it wouldn't have survived to reproduce. Mm-hmm. If there any predators around it. I mean, if there are any predators around it, then it's either you know it's got to either be able to fight or run or hide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's much like, I think a lot of what people call toxic masculinity is simply somebody has to go out and fight the tigers. Somebody has to go out and fight the other tribe that damages you. Mm-hmm. It also leads to hierarchical organization. And mm-hmm. the person who's the baddest guy in the village is likely to say, follow me or I'll break your head. Mm-hmm. Democracy is an evolution over that. And we need to understand that, that, that for 30,000 years or 100,000 years, human life was one way. And now, you know, as old as maybe a couple thousand years, Greek city-states at the beginning, mm-hmm. a few hundred years, America, England, you know, um, you know, the Magna Carta or whatever it is that, that, that suggested that the, that the rulers have responsibility to the people instead of just, you know, the, the people having responsibility to the rulers and the, the, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. We're working this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is critical to remember that the world has never been a warm and welcoming place if you didn't have teeth and fangs. Right. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that sometimes when I'm talking to those that are, <laughs> I have to remind them that even bunny rabbits have teeth and fangs. Yeah. You know, I think that what happens is you have people who were hurt when they were younger and made to feel helpless 
And so now their attitude is, I will seem so helpless that no one will think I'm a threat. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, those people, if they also are very open-hearted, um, they had better be protected by somebody who cares about them and has fangs and, and claws. Because the open-hearted person who does not know how to protect themselves is a lure for predators. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one when we talk about the issues like narcissism, uh, especially when it starts getting into the families and then how we have family trauma, generational right. trauma. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, the racial trauma <clears throat> is gigantic in the sense of, uh, you know, what, what did 400 years of, you know, rape, murder, torture, theft, brainwashing, et cetera, and, you know, gaslighting mm -hmm. at a fantastic level do to us. Now, just mm -hmm. a conversation uh, on Facebook. I love Facebook because there's like 2 billion people on it. So, basically, it's the world. Right. What you're seeing in Facebook is the way the world is. Um, it, it's, it's too large a sample to not contain everything that's out there. Just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a woman who was talking about, there was a meme from a woman talking about I've given up on love, all I want is sex, and this, that, and the other, and, you know, it's relationships are too painful. And I made the observation that, you know, somebody had hurt her, mm -hmm. you know, and this lady came back at me with, well, you can't say that based on that. There are a lot of people here who agree with her. And I said, well, yeah, but I'm willing to go out on that limb. I'm willing to say that, that a healthy, 99% of healthy human beings want somebody to love. Maybe 99.9. Mm -hmm. And when you see somebody saying it's too painful, you might as well be looking at somebody who says, I don't mind living in a cardboard box or I don't mind being 300 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. They're not telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. they, something has happened that I'm willing to bet that something has happened along the way that damaged their ability to believe in themselves and love themselves and protect themselves and believe that their efforts would get them something better or know how their efforts possibly could. You can damage someone to the point that you can crush a bug until it, it can't move anymore. And maybe it sits there and says, I don't mind not being able to move. But you might leave them alone, but don't buy into the lie. Because that lie will infect you. And you'll start looking at your life and saying, well, maybe I can't be happy. Maybe I can't be healthy. Maybe I can't be successful. Maybe it's wrong to want to be successful. That 400 years of damage to black people removed our sense of self. It, it was like wiping a hard drive on a computer. Then you implant a particular set of instructions. Call it Slave 1.0. This mm -hmm. is how you survive in this context. Mm -hmm. And then finally you set them free without actually guaranteeing their rights. And you, you, you put over that, you know, call it, you know, American 1776, you know, program. But it's resting on top of Slave 1.0. And the rest of the culture is still kind of saying, well, we tell you you can have your full rights, but if you try to get them, you know, Greenwood, Tulsa, you know, don't, don't even try. So Rosewood, is, it, is it any question that the system crashes? Mm -hmm. Is it any question that we have a hard time understanding what we are or have a hard time finding each other in life? In one sense, there should be nothing easier than finding love. Every rabbit in the woods does it. Mm -hmm. Human beings, we're having real problems, you know, and I think black men and women are having real problems finding each other. And I am not willing to say, I'm, there are two things I'm not willing to say. One, that it's their fault. Two, that it's not their responsibility. It is not your fault. The damage that was done to you and to the family, very real. But it is your responsibility because there's no one else. <clears throat> it's just right. no one else. If you, you know, if you fall off a ship in the middle of the ocean, you better swim or drown. You know, it oh, may yeah. not be fair at all, but that's simply the situation. You swim or drown. And you can say all you want to about how unfair it is, but I'd suggest you save your wind and swim. Well, it's even more the aspect of the idea that there is the notion of fair. Yeah. And fair is really sadly one of those that is Despite what we'd like to teach, it is one of those things that is subjective. And that subjectivity is going to affect whether or not you're swimming 
or you're basically enjoying the water as you go into the depths. All these people, as far as I'm concerned, who, huh, let me say this very carefully, because I do believe that there are people who need professional help and there are people Mm -hmm. who need medication. I am not denying that. Mm -hmm. However, you could take the most depressive human being in the world with suicidal ideation. If I take their head and stick it in a bucket of water, they're going to fight for their lives. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the body wants to live. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, we can be so screwed up that it hurts too much to live. Mm-hmm. But if you get in touch with a survival drive, that's a part of you that will keep fighting no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is one of the reasons why the majority of the profound world disciplines impact the breathing in one way or the other, pranayama and martial arts and qigong and stuff like this. Because if you, breathing is the only process that's both voluntary and autonomic. Mm -hmm. And when you slow your breathing down to below about four breaths per minute, the carbon dioxide level in your blood raises and your hindbrain starts going ding, 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 ding. You can actually... By manipulating your breathing, you can actually get in touch with your core survival drive in a relatively safe situation. You don't have to, you know, be on a roller coaster, which is safe, but you, mm-hmm. know, you have to drive some distance to do it. Or almost be in a car crash or, or, you know, fight off a mugger. You can literally just slow your breathing down and start feeling what the meat knows, what, mm-hmm. what the body knows. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one of the major things that we've lost as a society as we've become more sedentary. We've stopped being in touch with our bodies and our bodies want to want to live. And mm-hmm. so if you, if you, if you ground yourself in your survival drive, now it's safe to open your heart and love the world mm-hmm. because you know that if somebody messes with you, you'll bare your teeth. Then <laughs> with that love and that empathy, you can start developing a map of what existence is so that you can reach your goals of being happy with mm-hmm. greater facility. And ultimately, I think that people who attempt to balance themselves in all three ways begin to sense the spiritual aspect of life. Which I think is also very much an element I see in some of the stories, like the uh, the love story, the endless night story. That's the time travel one I'm thinking of. Um, even to a certain extent, the zombie apocalypse storyline that's there. It's too. about values, isn't it? I, mm-hmm. I stuck in uh, the, uh, the three gates. Mm-hmm. Into, the, into that story, um, and uh, you know, is it is it true? Is it kind? Is it useful? Which is a shortened version of the Eightfold Path, mm-hmm. because I think that if everything you do or say passes those three, you you're on your that's that's a that's not at all a bad recipe for making a good, moral, decent human being. Mm-hmm. That's, that ain't bad. Mm-hmm. And it's not only recognizing, it's valuing those three places and being willing to take the time, even if it's in those few brief moments of a breath, to ask those three questions. That's right. Too too much. And I know I, I paint this picture when I'm dealing with um, <coughs> dealing with clients, um, <clears throat> that the adult mind has a chance to respond. It has a chance to look at the different possibilities. It has a chance to figure out, okay, this is a possibility we can work with. This is a possibility we don't want to work with. How do we modulate that? As opposed to a kid or responses, instantaneous getaway, that runner's response, whatever the consequences be damned, but I'm out of the situation. Right. So is this conversation going in the direction that you wanted? Is this what you needed from me? Oh, let's put it this way. I put it, I look at it as free form. Even when I'm in a therapy session, I have no idea what my client is going to, Fantastic. what direction we're going to go right. into. So this is particularly perfectly normal. I don't know if our my audience is getting the same thing out of it, but I hope they will. And I hope they will find, is it necessary? Is it truthful? Is it useful. bringing stuff useful? Yeah, is, is, it, is, it, is it true? Mm-hmm. Is it kind? Is it useful? Mm-hmm. The truth is, is the first gate. Then whether or not you're speaking with kindness, I can't think of a piece of information that has to be conveyed cruelly. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it useful? Is it this moving you towards your goal? If not, why are you doing it? If it's mm-hmm. cruel, why are you doing it? I mean, I might have to hurt a mugger, but I'm not going to curb stomp him. Right. I'm not going to torture him. I'm just going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Okay? And is it true? You know, to the best of your ability, are you, is what you're saying the truth? Mm-hmm. I mean, those three... 
Those three governors on speech and behavior, they're massive. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that when you apply that to yourself, is what you just said about yourself true? Is it kind? Was it kind to you to say that to yourself? Was it useful? What exact purpose did it serve for you to say that to yourself? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, and, I, and I think that very much also goes back into what I was saying earlier about the narcissism and the sort of way it brings up um, family trauma. Because one of the things we have seen uh, with narcissism is that it is an inability for the person to be able to handle the truth for themselves. They require right. somebody outside of them to be the, either projection or provide that. But as long as it doesn't match what they want to hear, then it becomes something that they have to resist against. And those tooth and claws come up in a way that the survival response then turns destructive. Right. Hmm. So I think this is a perfect place for us to take a break. And as we focus on, on those three truths, we're going to be back here on Untying Knots with I'm Perry Clark and here with Stephen Barnes as we get into the second half. So hang in there, folks. We'll be back shortly. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our second half here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, and here with author, creator, uh, teacher Stephen Barnes, who we just recently been talking about his work with the Eightfold Path. And there's one particular set of stories in there where um, which is focused on martial arts, which I know is in passion based on those other questions I asked you at the beginning. So I'm curious about how the martial arts both became a very good part of your life and how it also influenced the story that I see in this book too. Well, um, they became part of my life because I was tired of being bullied. Mm. And uh, the that story has an incident that actually happened to me where a kid named Rudy and his brother and his brother's friends uh, thought that I had uh, narked on them. They thought that I had turned them into the principal. And uh, they chased me and surrounded me and were beating the hell out of me. And I put my books down. And I walked out into the middle of the street, stood Ooh. on the double yellow line with cars and trucks zipping past on both sides. And I looked at him in the eye and a voice that I'd never heard come out of me said, come out here and do that. Um, if he'd come out there, I was going to push him in front of a truck. I was going to kill him. And he looked at me and he knew it. Mm-hmm. That changed everything from that day forward. What I didn't realize, well, what I realized was that I'd found a place inside myself that was extraordinary, that was not mm-hmm. my ordinary concept of self. Mm-hmm. And after many, you know, that I needed to find out how to get back there. Uh, mm-hmm. And that led to the martial arts. Um, what I did not understand was that martial arts is not kicking and punching. Although those are ways to learn how to stay in a, in a space so that you can absorb certain things by osmosis. The the core of the martial arts in terms of what I was looking for is, is the attitude, I'm ready to die and I'm ready to take you with me. Mm-hmm. That position is as powerful a position as it is possible for a human being to have. You do not want to push someone into that state. And the greatest leaders and transformative human beings on this planet 
have been people who understood very clearly that they were going to die and they were going to accomplish something with their lives before that happened, including potentially taking an oppressor with them. Mm -hmm. um, the physical aspects of the art are all interesting. Mm -hmm. I would rather fight a black belt. I'd rather fight two black belts than a woman trying to protect her baby mm -hmm. because she, all the rules are gone. See, female animals in general are as dangerous as male animals. Mm -hmm. um, but men and women have played a game that we decided to play because it was, for my position, it was productive for producing the maximum number of grandchildren. Mm -hmm. You know, men would pretend to be stronger and braver than they really were. Women would pretend to be weaker and with less courage than they really were. Mm -hmm. And there was a split. And this allowed babies to be generated at a greater rate than the tribe over there that did it differently. Mm -hmm. you know, whatever rules generated the most babies, that's, that's the people who live to pass on their customs. So the martial arts, yes, they're you know, punching and kicking and throwing and weapons and this, that, and the other. But at the core of all of that is the what, what are you willing to die for? Mm -hmm. Because if you know what you're willing to die for, then it's easy to, to figure out what you're willing to live for. <laughs> you know? It's making me think of the line, one of the lines from, um, not familiar, if you're familiar with the show, um, Babylon 5. Yeah, Good man. <laughs> yep. And uh, the line that uh, it's often said by the rangers is that we live for the one, we die for the one. And in one of the subsequent episodes, they basically had the uh, Jakar's character saying, why do you always put the emphasis on the die? Why don't you put it as like, we die for the one, we live for the one. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> the difference is that you actually need both. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You definitely need both. Um, if you don't have both, then your fear of losing life will make you a liar. Mm. When my father was dying, he lived up in the up in the Bay Area near you. And by the way, I'm going to be guest of honor at uh, Baycon. Oh, lovely. Come by and say hi. Um, I will try. And uh, he was dying of cancer, and the cancer just ate him up, man. I mean... He looked like the Crypt Keeper. It was bad. Mm -hmm. And there was a part of me, I didn't want to look at this because my father hadn't been there when I was growing up. I tried to, you know, create a relationship with him after I was grown. And I think we'd done okay about mm -hmm. it. Um, but I realized that if I turned away from the image of him at the end of his life, I was missing the last thing he had to offer me, the last gift he had to give me, which was a clear understanding that this is how life ends. Mm -hmm. And I decided to accept that gift from him. And I took that image, and I've got that image sitting on my left shoulder. Mm -hmm. and I've got death sitting on my left shoulder and life sitting on my right shoulder. And when life and death agree that an action is appropriate, that's a good action. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I'm wondering. <laughs> I can see that being an interesting short story for you guys to start writing. If not, turn it into an interesting Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> well, the metaphor has probably worked its way into a lot of my writing. You know, if if it's called a martial art, you then have to ask the question: What does that mean? Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to, let's say, a martial science. Martial science would be, you know, the angles and the strategy, <clears throat> tactics and the body parts and stuff like that. But in art, if martial relates to war, art relates to self-expression. I would say that, that, that art is self-expression, expression of the deep self. Successful art is expression of the deep self that communicates to someone else sufficiently if they're willing to exchange money for it. Or mm -hmm. they feel what it is you wanted them to feel. In martial arts, you you might express what you are in terms of preparedness to fight and die for what you believe in to the point that the other person re receives that message and decides that they're going to look for 
a lamer antelope. <laughs> you know, it's not, I am not the antelope you're looking for. <laughs> and for those who are seeing this audio, he just did the Star Wars gesture from, uh, these aren't the dwarves you're looking for, maneuver. That's right. Um, it is, the warrior is as valid an archetype as the healer, the teacher, mm-hmm. the lover, you know, all of those things, the hunter. Warrior mm-hmm. skills and hunting skills are very, very closely allied. Uh, but their out. purposes are always very different. One is to feed and uh, and keep the people fed. The other is to keep them from away from harm. You, yes, but but they overlap. A hunter, yeah. you might send a hunter after a lion. Yeah, oh, definitely agree. You're not going to eat him. Yeah, but you're definitely you're using those skills, and they're the same skills that you would use against. A human predator and the mm-hmm. same mental skills you would use fighting a forest fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, so, it's, it's, just, it's important. It's as important as having babies and protecting them and loving them and nurturing them and changing diapers and playing with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the soft emotions are only safe if there's something to protect them. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people, a lot of people who are too far into the yin of it, mm-hmm. don't value the yang and people who are too far into the yang of it don't appreciate the yin so they both miss the Tao don't they yeah exactly that's what I was going to get to is like it's they know the two roles but they get lost only staying focused on one as opposed to knowing that they move between them and that flexibility is one of the things that sometimes we have to teach re, reteach people because in some cases they've never been taught it before it's, it's true I mean you 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 teach people we need to teach people to think, we need to teach people to, to feel, and we need to teach people to move. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that that more and more people are, for all practical purposes, blind mm-hmm. because they don't have their proprioceptive sense. They don't know where their bodies are in three-dimensional space. The epidemic of obesity and inactivity has robbed us of some of our natural heritage as human animals. Mm-hmm. And without that, we become head cases. You know, we have ideas about the world and those ideas chase each other around in our heads and we don't know how to test them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's tragic. Yeah, yeah. I know in the um, particular methodology of brain spotting, we're looking at using the sensory system to help with the processing and get into the subcortical areas of the brain to reconnect information. And well, yeah, I mean, the brain has... <clears throat> Nominal redundancy built into it. Oh yes, oh, oh, yeah. a, a lot of uh, there's a lot of research using you know movement of various kinds to try to reconnect. I I think that the old patterns, things you know, Tai Chi and yoga and so forth, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. That um, and there are other things too. But you know, they're using virtual reality and they're using a bunch of things to try to you know overcome strokes and damage and so forth but for god's sake don't forget just getting outside and moving around in the world mm-hmm. well it's the uh conversation that if someone else is the tech pro solution everything can be fixed with a machine and it can't be yeah or from the deeper fundamental aspect of everyone want i i get so many emails in my junk mail talking about oh develop this app develop that app and i'm looking at it as like you want a tech solution to a human relationship problem Right. Now, you know, there are people who would be unhappy about Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. that dehumanizing. But man, oh man, during the pandemic, Zoom just saved me. I mean, I, I could not hug my daughter mm-hmm. down in San Diego. It broke my heart. And without Zoom to, you know, to talk to her every week or anytime she wanted, you know, a little time with daddy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it would have broken my heart, and you know, VR, fantastic. Every week we would play VR mini golf together <laughs> in cyberspace. She's down in San Diego. We're here. I remember once I was, she was in San Diego, I was here, and her mom was in Chicago, or stepmom was in Chicago, or something like that. And we were all playing <laughs> VR mini golf on the same course with another <laughs> buddy of ours, um, and we were together. And for a little mm-hmm. while, the pandemic didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were able to laugh and joke and be together almost as if we could touch. Uh, critical importance. 
And I think it's those critical, important moments like that that get raised when somebody wants it all to be just one thing. And, or it's like, yeah, it's like, and I think that's also subjective in right. that aspect, in the standpoint of, okay, you found, you guys found that connection. Great. Wonderful. For someone else, they needed that actual face to face, being in the same room, sadly breathing the only same air. And because they can't see that nuanced difference. Well, if they can't see that, then they can't claim to know the answer, can they? Mm-hmm. You know, what's happening here is that they, their perceptions are too narrow. They don't get it. It's like somebody saying, this flavor of cake is the best cake in the world, and mm-hmm. everybody should eat it, and this is all you need to eat. What? Which, interest- which interestingly goes back to the three the, 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 the three. Yeah, yeah, is it true? It's not mm-hmm. true. It's mm-hmm. not true, and it is unkind in the sense that you are you are saying that you care about people, but you're ignoring <clears throat> what people say. Mm-hmm. That that's an isolating thing. It's a dehumanizing thing, and it's not useful. Not if you're trying to relieve human misery, mm-hmm. trying to make people happier, less fearful. I mm-hmm. think that right now the biggest problems we have in America are connected to fear. Mm-hmm. My, one of my spiritual teachers said a long time ago, and anger is a mask over fear. I have never heard anyone being angry at anything where I could not dig down deep enough and find something they were afraid of that, that anger was resting on. Remove fear, anger dissolves, no need for it. You know, sometimes with some people, they are so disconnected from their own emotions. Somebody who's been badly abused in childhood, they're just raving raving lava-like oceans of fear, you know, in a child being helpless. You know, I don't even want to go down that that road. Mm-hmm. But the adult sometimes simply walls over that. And in some cases, we'll get a lot of martial arts skills or something like that. And I'm a badass. I have nothing to be afraid of. But they never cleaned up the stuff with the, with, with, with the abuse. With the kid, yeah. It's still down there. And they don't understand why they get so angry. You know, I had a kid good kid. He's a young black belt named Uli. And uh, we were teaching at a children's camp. And he was, he was tremendous, you know, fine martial artist. And after, at the end of the day, I'm sitting out on the porch and he comes and sits down next to me and he says very quietly, Steve, when will I stop being afraid? Mm-hmm. And I realized I had nothing to say to him. I I, I was a different person then, but mm-hmm. I realized that, that that he had he had never cleaned up the emotional motivations that had gotten him into martial arts in the first place. He thought that developing speed and power would compensate for having a loving, healed heart. And about uh, five months later, he, he blew his brains out. Oh. And I swore to God when I heard that. I would never be caught without an answer again. It's not that it's my responsibility. No, everybody's life is their own responsibility. But I was never going to be in a situation where someone would come and open themselves like that. Clearly, he was desperate for help. And I couldn't help him because I didn't understand myself enough to understand others. That was the beginning of a deeper investigation for me. I think it's already. Yeah, I think we've already we've already gone into the question about the myths and realities of mental health with that. But I'll just go ahead and say it there is that is one of the deepest things we work with when we're working with people in therapy. How could you work with anything deeper? Mm-hmm. You know, they when someone <clears throat> is in such pain that they don't want to live, all I can do is hope that they will find the resources they need. You know, the therapists like you or. You know, counselors, loved ones, something to put them back in touch with their hearts and their survival and, and not feel despair and not feel that there's something broken about them. Mm-hmm. It, it really broke my heart, Perry. I've never recovered from that, and I shouldn't have. It, tur- it made me a different person. Uh, it's becomes part of that, like we're talking about, the balancing between the living and the dying. It, mm-hmm. gives, your, it gives purpose to your living. Yes. You know, I, right now, what I want is to be as healthy and happy as and energetic and successful as I can be and also show other people how to do it, starting mm-hmm. with loving themselves, mm-hmm. starting with knowing how to heal their hearts, 
how to get in touch with the part of them that will will protect them at any cost. Um, and then the techniques with which you can build a successful life. You know, I was lucky enough that my mom turned me on to stuff like uh, Think and Grow Rich and the Power of Positive mm -hmm. Thinking and Psycho-Cybernetics and stuff like that when I was just a little kid. And it went deep. And the idea that we can create lives of joy is something I believe in. I just believe in it. I, I, life may not owe us everything. But I think the average person can have a healthy body, a career doing something they enjoy that, that supports them well, and be married to someone that they love deeply who turns them on and who's turned on by them. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a partner with which to walk through life. Uh, I believe that those basic things are possible for all of us, but we do need a little help and guidance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very true and well what we offer in therapy is help with that we can't provide it for can't give everyone that answer they've got to find it for themselves well, I'm glad we just try to help them find it my friend you know i'm sure that you're i'm sure your people come to you honestly and you deal with them honestly and i'm sure they have been benefited thereby well, that's all all i can ask in the world with my work isn't it mm -hmm. so what else can i do for you well, I think at this point, it's actually time for us to start wrapping up because okay. it's been a fun hour. Great. Well, people can find me in Tananari and various email addresses, uh, sunkenplaceclass.com, afrofuturismwebinar.com. If you're interested in the, in, the, in the warrior arts, we talked about mm -hmm. realwarriorsjourney.com. Or if you just want to listen in on our conversations, lifewritingpodcast.com. Um, you know, we have a writing program that we really stand behind. It is, you know, a, a, a year long. Every week you get prompts. And mm -hmm. uh, life writing is the process of using writing tools in life and life's tools in writing. So this is what we're using every day to navigate our, mm -hmm. career, our literary and Hollywood careers, as well as finding ways to stay in love with each other every day. You know, Beautiful. A lot to talk about there. Definitely, and I'd give it a listen. I was, I've been listening to it as well. Fantastic. And lifewritingpodcast.com. I'm honored to have been here, Perry. Thank you so much for asking me. Well, thank you for having, being able to have the time and talk about this book and your work and share these thoughts because we need to hear them. Fantastic. So keep writing, keep creating, keep living, and I'm stay safe. All right, folks. So tune in for our next one. Here on Voice America Network, this has been Harry Clark with Stephen Barnes, and be well out there. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.